Right. Hello and welcome back to the Black Belt and Thinking podcast. I'm Peter Cronin, the host, and I'm joined here today by Peter Thorby and Craig Chilcott, who are here to talk to us about the, the sort of real life stories of the, the behavior change that Mirza and I talked about in the last episode, the ABC. So welcome, Peter and Craig. Thank you. Good morning or evening or afternoon. <laughs> Whatever time you're listening. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the Black Belt and Thinking podcast. I'm Peter Cronin, lead presenter of the Black Belt and Thinking. This is a podcast where we look at all things to do with thinking faster and acting more purposefully. I interview experts in their field to try and provide you with the insights to the way they think and the tools and processes they use on a day-to-day basis. If you find value in this podcast, love for you to share it with others. Good. All right. Okay, well... um... As Peter said, my name's Peter Thorby. I'm one of the Viago owners. Um, but I met Craig, Craig, I don't know how long ago it was now, five or six years ago, something oh, like that. Be more than that now, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we didn't know one another at the time. And um, I met him in Australia. I flew over from New Zealand to meet him. Um, and he was the, uh, at that time, he was the uh, CEO of a um, business in Australia and um, we got talking and then I, I left Australia and the next thing I get a phone call from Craig saying that yep he'd like to work with us and Craig you might like to take up the story from there. I think that um, I, I do I think for me it goes a little bit further back than that um, the industry that I worked in was a very hard industry and had a lot of cycles to it. And um, I had been very successful in career-wise of working hard and being very much into command and control and had been very hard line on that. Um, What I'd seen through probably 15 years of the industry is that I wasn't making money for the business that made sense to me. And I then became on this desperate search for someone that could help me find the next level. And I um, would go anywhere to try and find that. And who I found in the end was Peter. And Peter said all these things to me that made absolutely no sense. (laughs) <laughs> and he, he explained them to me very well. And I would sit there silently on the edge of my chair staring at him. And he has asked me 15 times whether I got that. And sometimes I'd say, no, I don't. And sometimes I'd just say yes, because I wanted to see what the rest of it was. So um, what I sort of got out of that, and I think out of the ABC, which ABC training for me was brutal. It um, actually made me see a lot of things in myself that I didn't like. And at the time that was really upsetting for me. And um, Peter was very helpful and supportive and gave me massive epiphanies like, oh, you could just decide to do something different. And as much as that sounds stupid, um, that was actually a massive step on the way for me, being able to choose other things that made sense. And then um, I guess from that, 
we started, I don't know why we started ABC training. Is that just what made sense, Peter? I can't recall what actually um, triggered us doing that, but we did it with a, a large number of people in that business. But I, I, I do recall um, you starting on it, and I do recall you um, getting quite confronted by some of the things you did. And I think one of the first things you started, well, the thing that really struck me, we started talking about it. And then a few days later, we were talking and you said, oh, I had a, a barbecue in the car park today. I said, oh, what did you have a barbecue for? Oh, because I, I wanted to study the behaviour of the people. And that was sort of one of those early things, I think, Craig, where you had the epiphany of behaviour being a thing, like, like people doing a behaviour. And then you started talking about um, being down at the CAF and watching the behaviour of people. And then I realised that you had quite an interest in behaviour. It was a thing that fascinated you as to why people do what they do. And, um, and that was sort of like the very early beginnings of you getting quite involved in behaviour and understanding behaviour and understanding why people do, it, do a thing and then figuring out trying, trying to either get more of that thing because you like it or less of that thing because you didn't like it. And I think where it went from there, I definitely did like it and I fully committed and I had some breakthroughs and then I went, right, all my senior management are doing this. This is how we're moving forward. And if they don't like it, they can just leave. And that was probably, that was way too much. But yeah, it just seemed like the way forward to me. And I can remember through that period, then there was, there was three of them that had an intervention with me <laughs> that said, uh, we understand why you've done this, but we don't understand what it's doing for us. And that was like, that just blew my mind because they were trying to do it in a really kind way. And then we had to talk through how it made sense. So I guess all of these things had ABCs in them. And then, um, and then it just started blowing back at me. And I found that when I actually started to deal with that and be able to have conversations that made sense, I really transformed into being a leader and just left command and control behind because that didn't make sense. So, and then could just talk about things that made sense for everybody and didn't have to have the meeting before the meeting or be in control of every outcome or, you know, and it just, it just didn't make sense to do that anymore. And I think that all of that had ABCs mixed in it. And then within that, I don't know how we got onto it, we started talking about points of culture. Can you remember how we started talking about that? Well, I, th I think you went and looked at our website and you saw the points of culture document there. And then you printed it off and decided that that's the way you'd like to be. I tried to change it and I tried to change it for a while because I thought it should be different for me. And I ended up at exactly the same one. Right. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> it just didn't. And where I got that from was really interesting. I had a lady that worked for me and I always wanted to be a good person, but a lot of people or a culture for your business. 
so many people that talk about that and you go, well, what is it? They never give you a straight answer. So it just made so much sense to me to have like a cultural document that was actually what you were trying to do. And that fitted well for guiding principles of ABCs for me because it sort of gave a framework or an outline to it. And um, every time I got jammed up or angry or was really annoyed with someone, I would go and reflect on the point. I'd print the point of culture out, which was an interrupter. It gave me a little bit of time to cool down. I'd highlight the ones that made sense to the conversation. And then I would write something on there if I needed to. And I would promise myself that I wouldn't go outside of that. So if that person wanted to push past the points of culture, they would be gone. So that really gave me a upper framework because it is hard to change a business to have a culture or offer under ABC because you will get tested at every avenue with it. Right. And I think that there were so many things that you added along the way. I think the next brutal one to that was that you dropped on me one day was above the line and below the line. Can you remember that? Yeah, I do. So that one is really challenging. And for this thing today, I printed it out and I read on there, most managers without ABC are below the line. They can yep. tell, you, tell you. And when you actually start to operate like that, Oh, you realize that 90% of things are your fault? <laughs> yes. Uh, if you want, you can sort of read it out. What I can do is I can add an image or whatever to the show notes for this. Anybody on the podcast who wants to go have a look at it can as well, if that, if that helps. And can you remember what they are, Peter? Yeah, below the line, blame, excuse, deny. Yeah. So what Craig's saying is that um, often managers respond um, in a blame, excuse, deny. And I guess we converted that, Craig, into something that um, we use this term, um, DRP. Um, when somebody DRPs, they're normally blaming or excusing or denying or, or deferring to, to um, others. Um, and then above the line, or OAR, so accountability and responsibility, and the O's just slipped my mind. Ownership. Ownership. So when, you, when you're doing ownership, accountability, and responsibility, um, the behaviours required for that are just so different. And that's what started coming out in you, Craig, wasn't it? Was that the, is not yeah. easy. I know that seems like a very simple thing on a piece of paper, but converting to that, it's, um, it is so powerful, but it is so hard to do. Yeah. And I think people... Um, the blame, excuse, deny sort of goes along with command and control. Oh, it's like a safety blanket, yeah. Yeah, and um, for people to move from that below the line um, stance to above the line, um, you know, they, they've got they've got no support or safety to go with it. Nothing, none, none of that stuff's been built. No, and. It Invariably, I think it's like you start to look at people differently. Have they been trained properly? What is actually the problem with them? What do they think and feel? What's their perception of the situation? Which is just so much more long-winded and so much more painful. But it actually gives a very good result 
And then yeah. the ABC way, you can actually solve problems long term and create real win-wins. But it just seems like way too much work. And when you actually start to realize it might be for once, but for the long term, it just is so much better that you really start to adapt to that. And I think that it's interesting now where I look at these things and they're just like second nature. Man, I struggled with them. They were so hard at the time. Yeah. I think every time that I went into blame, excuse to know, I'd squeeze my hand really hard and go, that is not what you're doing. And would have to really struggle. And then when you'd start to listen to the other person to understand them, and you'd just go, oh, well, that just makes so much sense. And then you just build this fluency where you're no longer prepared to go down that road. Yeah. So I, I guess for me, um, my father was the, the trigger for my behavior, and it was very much command and control. And so I was operating below the line most of the time. And so, so leadership um, behavior wasn't, wasn't a natural thing for me. And it was um, the ABC was the opening of the door for me to see my behavior and change it to be more leadership than command and control. But I think the, the stunning thing, and I've seen this in, in you, Craig, is that it's the recognition of when you're behaving in a way that's not useful. Like you, 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 you do things and you say, oh, that's not going to get me where, where it needs to be, so I'll change. Um, and I think for many people, they, they don't see themselves doing a particular behavior and they don't see the effect of that behavior. They don't recognize it as a set. They just do stuff but it's not the right stuff. And I think the thing, the key statement to that is um, their perception is their reality. People have both sides of the conversation in their head and never actually look at the ABCs of the other person or consider what their point is or whether that's wrong or right. Yeah. They just have the whole conversation in their head and then just spit something out. So Craig, what were some of those early things that you did where you got these epiphanies um, you know, like, um, you know, for you uh, doing stuff at, at work or in the town, what are some of the things you did that made you um, stop and see that other side of the line? I think it came out during the ABC training where basically um, you start, it just explained clearly how to start seeing what was actually happening. Yep. So instead of having the whole conversation in your head and just command and controlling it, you'd actually start to see the other person's point of view. And then you put the points of culture to it as well. And you start to get a couple of wins with it. It just didn't make sense to be the old way. And the old way you kind of just completely missed it. Like, you, I think that I would always miss the at and sending, like I just wouldn't see it. Yeah. And when you weren't clear on that, you know, and what the actual problem was, if it was to do with a problem, and then you just do lots and lots of stuff and go around and around in circles. And once you actually start to see that, 
you could start to see where you'd done things for four years and it just didn't make sense. So it's kind of like, as you said in the training, you get to this point where you have an epiphany. And for me, it was like the barbecue. You could start to see what the people in the queue started to do where some would make jokes, some would wait silently, some would do other things, but a lot of it was that they just had to pass the time. And so I could actually start to see what was, how things actually started by putting them in that framework. And that allowed me to um, do things that made sense. Yeah, and I think for the listeners, Craig set up this barbecue not to have a barbecue, but it was a mechanism to start to, to stand back and watch what people actually did. The barbecue was the excuse for having a, like a, a small case study at lunchtime of the behaviour of people. This podcast is brought to you by the BBIT. If you want to improve your own thinking and problem-solving skills, visit blackboutandthinking.com to sign up now. And that was, that was amazing. And I think the thing that what I see now is that I go to a lot of different training and do a lot of different things. And it's interesting that you see a lot of intelligent people that understand concepts easier than me and probably get it better than I do, which is fine with me because that just means I need to learn it but they can't actually land the behaviors that they need. So it's kind of like a repetitive thing that I say, these people will never get their full traction without being able to do ABCs because yeah. they won't be able to get the simplicity of changing the behaviors. So as, as we sort of move on those six years or seven years or whatever it is um, to where we are today, what I've seen in you is you can take all the in-depth psychology of the 10,000 books that are available on psychology, um, study all the technical aspect of it, but you've got a very simple way of getting um, a behaviour change that's so simple. But I think you said to me the other day that it's very difficult to build that simplicity unless you, there's, there's some core basics that you understand. And it's probably a bit more than core basics. It's core basics plus some fluency plus, you know, five years or six years plugging away at doing these things. Yeah, and I think that there's just been so many other little things that we've talked about and discussed and add-ons during that period that have made such a big difference to that. And I think that um, you can if you look at ABC training, you're far more likely to get people to change behaviours through positives. And you just go to so many places where they just want to change behaviours through one-off negatives or extreme, and you just know that's wrong. But people, when they hear the word consequence, just think that it's about getting whacked hard, whereas it's really not. And once you start to understand the full gamut of what consequences can be you know positive is so much more and I think that it's really highlighting when I go into I go into situations where people go can you come and help we're having serious conflict they feel like it's the end of their business and how you work through that 
generally you find most people are reasonable. It's something quite simple. If you actually listen and ask enough questions to try and clearly understand what their point of view is and then just talk about things that make sense, it ends up at a place that makes sense for everybody. Right. And I, I think the simplicity, and sometimes you have, when you go into it, you need to have really belief in the process because you can feel quite threatened. But the simplicity of ABC, I've never found that it doesn't pan out. You might get to the end of it and someone might choose to not be part of it anymore, but really that's helpful as well. Yeah. Because otherwise it's just this painful cycle that goes on forever. So it's, um, I, I think trying to do other thinking training without having that building block is very hard to land change in a meaningful way. Right. Um, and can, can you think back to some of the um, changes that were caused by your um, ABC interventions where, where either in a person something was happening in a not useful way and then something changed to be highly useful? And it could, have been, it could be like something that happened for you at work that was useful or it could be something that, that in that person's own personal life that actually got impacted um, as well. I think that um, one of the interesting stories for me is that um, being a supervisor is such a, most, you find supervisors in an industry generally aren't trained that well. They generally get promoted before they get trained and it's such an emotional roller coaster for them. And most of them say, yes, they'll do it, but they don't really decide because they have such bad imposter syndrome. And I think that um, one of the things that I did with that is that I had a supervisor once and he was in and out all the time. So he'd be highly emotional and he would say, oh, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I just want to go back to doing what I was doing before. And it was something that, um, we discussed a bit and how people don't decide. They just sort of think stuff happens and they drift along, but they never make a conscious decision. And so I can remember one day I was like, this is enough. This guy needs to decide. And I said, you need to decide today whether you're in or out because I can't continue to do this. And one of his big blocks was that he, couldn't read read or write and I say well but it probably was not at all and I said oh that's one thing that we can we can fix that and he said oh but I've never been able to and I said oh there'll be there is always a solution to that and we'll be able to make it work I'll commit to that but you've got to commit to deciding and he decided that he wanted to be in, which was a huge emotional thing. He's full of tears and crying and all that sort of stuff. So I said, okay, well, I'll go and figure out how we're going to do this. And then we hired a teacher and he went to night classes with this teacher for a year, for twice a week. And at the end of it, he could read and write. And it was just, I couldn't believe that he actually followed through on it. And he was just so much happier and it was um, 
such a fantastic thing for him. And he's not still working at that business, but now he's a supervisor for a um, scaffolding company. And I was talking to him the other day and he's got his truck license and all these things that he never would have been able to do without right. him. And it was just like, I think any money that I've ever made compared to that is nothing. That is so much better. <laughs> yeah. Like, and as a, as a CEO who, who loves leadership, to see that happen in somebody's personal life, you get a win at work, and then that person gets a massive home win. Yeah. Like it just about, just about brings you to tears too. Oh, it was amazing. So, and it's, there's, there's various other stories. And you see, it was interesting. Like I had my production manager that was very loyal to me. And when I could see ABCs, I could see how much it was affecting him. And I knew that I had to give him a release on some of his loyalty and that we could have more two-way conversations about things that he didn't like. Yep. And that wasn't actually that enjoyable for me, but it was very important for him. And in the long run, it was better for me. So, and I, I think with some of that, some of those people that you just go, I just need to let them move on and do what they like. Like some people you can't, um, you, it was interesting in here, you're like some of my victims and it's like some people you just think, oh, they, they are probably a victim of me <laughs> <laughs> and enough's enough and I should just stop. And it's interesting when we've talked about it, you say there's a third in, a third on the fence and a third that are out. It is very much the case. It mightn't be that exact number. And, um, but what I found in that, especially in business, is that a third in and a third on the fence is so much more powerful than just you trying to do command control. That's when you can supercharge your business. And how I know this to be true is like my best year was like $2 million once I went to behaviors or ABCs, $10 million. And, and it really working hard wasn't enough. It's when you become a leader and you add the thinking to it, you just supercharge it. And I think it's people can't believe that until they give it a go. And not everybody's into it. Like we've talked about often that um, it's not everybody's thing. And some people see the edge of it and don't want to look. And I think that I've seen all that now where some people start to see the flaws in themselves and just want to shut it down. And sometimes you should let them shut it down and say, if you need to go and help, you get help, you should do that. I'm not a psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah. Well, Craig, that's a, um, a, a lot of good stories for people to um, hear. And like, we never had to invent a new machine or import a machine from somewhere. Um, what we were doing back then is challenging ourselves and the way we were thinking. Um, about behavior and what was going to be needed in order to change behavior. And I, um, I remember in you when you saw that culture document um, and you then made a decision to stop swearing. I mean, you were in a, a hard industry where swearing was the, um, the normal method of communication. And I know when I first met you, um, you were quite 
quite experienced at swearing and quite prolific. <laughs> quite prolific. And I'm ashamed of that. <laughs> <laughs> but the stunning thing was um, there was a decision made to stop being that way, and it was instant. Uh, yeah, yeah. And now I can't handle it. Like, it's... um. If I think it, I even feel bad now when I think about swearing. I even think that's outrageous. So I don't swear anymore. But every now and again, I might think about swearing. And even then, it's like, it's just a trigger to tell myself I'm getting out of control. What's going on here? What makes sense? And it, it like physically hurts me when people swear now. And I've either got to say, um, please stop, I don't like it. Or... I should just go and we'll have this conversation later because it's just a such a trigger to not thinking well. It's that's all it is to me. I'm not not actually I don't know if I'm against it. It just whenever people are swearing a lot, it's just no thought into what they're saying. And you can say when you say to people, please stop it, I don't like it, they actually have to start thinking about what they're saying and they say things that make a lot more sense. So yeah. Okay. Um, well, Craig, thanks very much for that chat. I hope the I'm listeners gonna, enjoyed. Actually, I'm just going to cut in there before you wrap it up, Peter, <laughs> and pick it up, pick up on a couple of things. Um, the first one I think is most interesting is the majority of that of the the stories and the sort of story you've told is actually about the fact that uh, I'll take a step back. Quite often, when we first start talking to people about ABC and everything. They have this kind of like, oh, well, if it's so easy, then how come everybody doesn't do this? And the answer is because in order to change others, you've actually got to change yourself first. And most people are either unwilling or I was going to say incapable. I don't even think it is incapable. I think it's just unwilling to do that. But that's the hardest part, right? The ABC in a way, which is my second point, which is going to ram, in, ram into this one. Um, it's, it's simple, but it's hard. Like... Once you can see the behaviors and you and you see it, it's not a particularly con complex um, method or system. And again, in the next podcast, we're going to get into what we actually do here. But while it's simple, once, once you, you once you get it, but I think I think it is. Oh no! And you need to have a problem that's worth solving or a driving reason to do it. And a lot of people don't like. Mm. I bet you all three of us have been to lots of businesses and people going, oh, I don't know what's wrong with the business. And we're just sitting there looking at it and go, well, I'm looking at what's the problem. It's you. <laughs> and they're like, oh, this and that. And it's like, you feel like going, but don't you run this business? So aren't you responsible? And it's very, you know, you're never going to sell that. So it's sometimes it's hard to start there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think for me, I had a problem that I wanted to solve so badly. I had no problem with tearing myself up to go next level. Right. And that was helpful because what I was doing wasn't good enough. But I don't see that. So I, I think that in most ABC's conversations that you're going to have, and people have told me when you're having it with very hard people, I'll be careful of them. What I generally say is the biggest problem I'm going to have with them is when they start crying, how I deal with that. 
Because <laughs> if you can just have a calm ABC conversation with someone that's trying to attack you, that's where they end up because there's something in yep. it. Yeah. And I think it's a hard thing to sell ABCs, isn't it? Oh, for sure. We we basically never, I don't know if we've ever led with it, have we, Peter? Like it, it often comes out as one of the yeah. key tools in the toolkit, but I, I can't imagine how you'd lead a kind of sales process with it because uh, it'd be... Yeah, just thinking about it, it'd be, it'd be a tough thing to uh, lead with. Maybe yeah, I mean, it's it's normally been on the back of us um, doing a change in a business that requires behaviour change. Yeah. And that becoming a struggle, and then we lead it with, um, well, we need to do some ABC training. That's true, yeah. I guess we, we usually lead, but the way I normally segue into a conversation about it is we're using, say, one of the BBIT tools or we've done some analysis or we're looking at a project, whatever, um, and make the point that all of this is nice in theory, but ultimately everything only happens in the business because people do things. So unless we can shift the things that people do, nothing will actually change. So yeah. we need to have a conversation about that. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess that for whatever reason, mine was opposite. I was like, this comes first. Yeah. And let it into the business relentlessly and went and was like, and with the effect I want what is to be safe and long-term. So every time I thought about turning away from it, I was like, well, it's not going to be safe and long-term. So I might explode the world with this because it's going to explode anyway. So push on. Yeah. But I, yeah, I, I don't see a lot of that. It's, um, and I don't know if you guys, there's, I guess that's why I've become such good friends with Peter is because we probably think that way and it's very much not common. Is that fair to say, Peter? Yeah. 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 It's a bit like seeing the matrix though, isn't it? Once you, once, once you're described or whatever, you can't unsee it. No. <laughs> and that's not enjoyable for the first three years. <laughs> year four, it's better. <laughs> and year five or six, it's quite nice. Yeah. But I've, I've got to say, like, I'm looking for a new business at the moment, and um, it certainly increases the run rate on businesses that you don't like. Mm. So it, um, yeah, but it's something far more tangible than just looking at the books, so to speak, as to see what the business is like. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, totally. And even if you look at like valuations and companies and that sort of stuff at the moment, ABCs makes it a whole lot harder because you just look at things and go, oh, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> How will you do that? <laughs> so, you know, if you look at, like valuations and thing that have happened recently, it's just like nobody and that's done an ABC because how does that work? Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. But I do, I do, I think if you're, and the interesting thing for me is I feel like I did it in reverse. I did the ABC course that I got the most out of and then I've read every book and interesting study and things that I could find afterwards and how they drew these conclusions and which 
have these little epiphanies and link it to, oh, that makes sense to that and that, but I haven't really learned anything better than the actual simple ABC course that I did at the start. <laughs> right. I just understand where the logic came to sort of, and I think that once you do it quite a lot, that um, you don't need to decide if it's wrong or right because you can just see that it pans out. So it just makes sense. But it certainly takes a while to get to that stage. Yeah. Yeah. And as you say, a lot of self-change. <laughs> yeah. And I think as a manager um, that you've got to, you know, above the line, below the line, once you start taking that on and put points of culture to it, that is, that's tough. Because you realise that um, most, of, most of the problems in your business you've created. And once you start to, and you can, it's tough and then it gets boring because when you start setting your people free and they understand how to do this well, then you actually just have to listen to their stories and um, say how good a job they did. And you're not allowed to put butts on the end. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be very bad at that where you go, oh, you did a good job, but such and such. And you just like the whole is reinforcing in an ABC way. You can't tack on the end. You just need to go, oh, you did a good job. Well done. And hold in all the rest. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all those little things that make such a big difference. And then, and then what happens after that is that you start to lose your superhero status because you don't have all these fires going on in your business that you can go and solve like a superhero because your people are doing a good job and that just doesn't happen anymore. And you're like, oh, what do, what do I do now? Just explain people everything that I know and tell them that they're doing good jobs and watch the bank account grow. Well, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Yeah. So you can miss the opposite. Yeah, right. And does that make sense to you, Peter? No, that, Craig, that makes a lot of sense um, because it's a release of the command and control, isn't it? Yeah. And all those people um, that you're trying to command and control before, you start realising that they've all got value to add in some way. And with even giving them um, good training and things, all of a sudden you're getting the leverage effect and you don't have to do everything yourself. And it might not have been as good as what you might have done it, but if you had to do it, you wouldn't get around to it because there's 900 other things on your list. And I think then you've just got to um, sort of regroup and start looking forward and figure out what else you can do, how you change in it. Yeah. So all of that is very interesting process that I've done one cycle of. I just need to find the next cycle and hopefully I'm more well-equipped <laughs> to uh, do that. Right. Very good. Any Anything you want to wrap it up with, Peter Sorby or Craig? No, I've got nothing left. I think what Craig said is, is highly enlightening and insightful. And I think 
I acknowledge him for um, doing what he's done because as you mentioned, Peter, nothing changes unless you do something different and, and things that were habitual behaviors that you don't want, getting them changed into behaviors that you do want. You know, it's not difficult and it's not hard, but it's not easy either. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's, um, and you certainly need someone to guide you on that journey. So with, um, to give you those epiphanies, but only at the right time. And I think that's a really hard thing with training. We just go and do a training course. If you don't really need it then, it's not overly helpful. And that's what I found through Peter through the process is that he only sort of added tools when the opportunity arose. Mm. It was just so much more valuable, whereas it's very tough to learn them when the opportunity is not there, especially when you're starting. Yeah. And um, I think the discipline and them being able to do it that way is something that I admire and am very mindful of when I'm working with people these days. It's almost harder to do less than it is to do more. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. Well, thank you to both for, for joining me here. And uh, I'm sure the listeners got a lot out of that. Um, that'll go very nicely with the... Uh, the intro explanation and then this is is the the real life account of, of what it's like um and then obviously hopefully we can help them understand how to how to have a crack at applying this themselves in the in the next one Pietro and i so i thank you for joining us and uh if you like this i'm i'm sure we'll have you back sometime to talk about something else <laughs> yeah thanks craig thanks no, Peter. you're welcome anytime cheers okay bye. cheers thank you bye